Hello. <laughs> you timed that perfectly. I was just about to say it. I know, I saw you breathe in and I thought I'd join in and <laughs> see whether it put you off. Okay, Pip, you do the intro. Hello and welcome to the Crate and Crowbar. This what episode is, is it? Episode 250 million and it's <laughs> March and I'm joined by Chris. Hi. And Alex. Hiya. I'm Pip. <laughs> you may have surmised. No one really. Actually, I remember when we just started doing the podcast, we didn't say episode number or date at the start, and someone wrote in to tell us that all good podcasts do that. Do you know what? It's Pi Day, so I should have known that. Mm. It's episode Pi, and okay. today is the 314th in America. <laughs> <laughs> 314, bake it. <laughs> is that... A drugs thing. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things at once. Okay. It's quite a complex joke. 320? That's not the right one. Three, three, blaze, blaze it. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> blaze it. Alex. Can I just keep saying that? <laughs> Look, look, okay, so I believe that there was a bus of drugs. A bus of drugs. <laughs> and the bus would arrive at the drugs at 3.15 or possibly 4.20 yeah that's why people use that on their screen names online 4.20 Alex get with the program I don't even get it still because I'm incredibly old well I, I think I might have explained it <laughs> there's something about 4.20 and a bus yeah or it's a train good. might that's have been a train was that's it a train edgy. it's that explains my Xbox Live name <laughs> and why everyone thinks it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> well, look forward to Crate and Crowbar episode 420, when Million. I promise we will explain this in okay. about three years. You say blaze it a lot. I do, yeah. A little ironic twist. It's because I'm a millennial. Realize, the thing is, though, no one in this room gets it. I know, because I'm the youngest person here. Okay. Well, yeah, but surely we've got the majority at this point, so you're not cool. That's not how knowing things works. No, no, but I mean, if you just sit there and, and use slang that we're not on board with, while we're saying things from, like, I don't know, the 18th century, you know, we, mm. we've got we've got numbers on our side, except for 420, which will lead to one <laughs> It's side. on my side, yeah. yeah. We're, we're setting what's cool, and we're saying... Blaze it ain't cool, mm. daddy o. <laughs> it is actually from the 60s, I think. Is it? Um, yeah, like oh, okay. some of the people here. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mm. Um, mm. Anyway. It's episode 230. It is. Oh, wow. Yeah. 30 or 13? 30. 30. The big 30. The big 230. Yeah. The milestone that everyone is building towards. <laughs> Has that got a drug reference in it? I don't think so, but mm. we wouldn't know, would we? No. no. Okay. Uh, it isn't, and it doesn't. And 320, it hasn't, and it sniff it. Hang on. <laughs> 2.30. How is this podcast starting? Like oh, wait, no, no, it's the book? dentist joke, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. What time did you book your dentist appointment? 2.30. Nice. Thank you. That's very mm. good. Mm. So wow. it's dentist d- dentist episode. Yes. You know, it took four minutes, but this this is saved. <laughs> I'm not cutting this. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. Uh, continue, Pip. I really think I've I've peaked. <laughs> okay. 
Then leave. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hang on. We should do news first. Okay. There's news. Would you like a hint? No, no. I mean, I suggested one of the newses. Artifact, the Dota 2 card game from Vlav. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. So it's not. I mean, that was announced back at the international last year. Yeah, but to... they absolutely refused to give any more details apart from what Day Nine said in like three seconds. For sure, and and it was announced also. I was going to say to a chorus of uh, almost complete apathy um, <laughs> from the crowd of Dota fans, which is that's a tough crowd. Yeah, I remember. I remember it kind, mm. of, it, it, it kind of filtered out. In that same manner, really, didn't it? Yeah, it had a thick Twitter-friendly schadenfreude to it, um, which is a shame because I, you know, wish that team well. Um, but uh, yeah, but I think last week there was a trip to Valve uh, where lots of journalists got to see and play with the game, and lots of new information was revealed, including the fact that is it Richard Garfield? It is. Uh-huh. It is uh, is designing it. He is hates is, Mondays, loves hates. lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Pip is so pleased with herself. <laughs> is that the is that the revelation at the end of so many comics that Garfield's first name is Richard, <laughs> and that he's referred to by his surname in a kind of like boys sixth form kind of? Yes, <laughs> let's go with yes. Mm. We had lasagna this evening, and I don't like Mondays. <laughs> And I think you might be a cat. Um, the <laughs> so yes, Richard Gar- Oh God! Sorry, there uh, might have been E numbers in my tea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic: The Gathering. Oh, yeah, it's like or somewhere creator or yeah. design. I can't remember exactly what it's right. It's very famous for for that that game. The one what all the other card games are from, apart from Snap. The uh, uh, yeah card game. Yeah. Um, is has been, is working on it and has been working on it for years. He sort of quietly vanished into the Valve ecosystem several years ago. But it kind of just sort of envelops people, and you never hear from it does. Again. Yeah, it feels like the it's it's like the going to be the solution to a kind of modern American procedural crime show. I mean, actually, like, where did this guy go in 2014? What's he been doing all this time? It doesn't matter. <laughs> He walked into an anonymous office in Bellevue, and then four years later, someone made a card game. Yeah, he's made a card game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nonetheless, they have made a card game, and they made an extremely complicated-looking card game. That it looks I'm incredibly well complicated. Mm-hmm. So you've you've absorbed the rules, have you? I have a little bit. So it's it's um, a bit like the so L. Have I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Do go on. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the it's a bit like Alice Cross Legends. <laughs> in, that... in that it's got three lanes, multiple lanes. Elder Scrolls Legends only has two. Dota has three because there are three lanes. <laughs> what? I can see the shapes you were going to make with I your don't, face. I don't have to do anything now. I can just sit here and drink this beer with a picture of an angry dwarf on it, and That's you can. Ferret. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a really weird mood. Um, so yeah, Dota's thing. Um, artifact also. So they've announced that. I'm trying to think how we distill this into discussable talking points, but uh, but it's like trying to do that while on a bouncy castle. So there's um, yes. So 
it's a card game. It's got three lanes. It's got a, it's Dota themed because that was the thing that fit it the best or that wasn't designed as a Dota game, which is interesting. It's more of a game about trying to solve the design problems with Magic the Gathering, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, there will be 280 plus cards in the base game, including 44 heroes. You can have a deck that starts at 40 cards, including five heroes, three of whom will be deployed into lanes at the start of the game. Oh, I feel really... That's, that was nice. I've never found a card game so relaxing. They're not so stressful. Um, and it's got bottomless number wang, I hear. There's no end to it. Is it, is it a case film. that... So are you playing cards into the lanes and then those cards, facing cards, are, are going to be playing yes, against like a, each other? there's like a playing phase and a combat phase, I think. Each of the... Phases. Each of the lanes has its own, like, mana pool that you use to spend to play <sighs> cards into that lane. And then when there's, like, a combat session... The units that are facing each other do battle, but if there aren't any units, your units or theirs, whichever one is the the one that there is, will attack the structure at the end Mm -hmm. of the lane, which is the tower, which you might remember if you have played Dota, hopefully. Um, And that has like 40 health points. And so like the win conditions are if you destroy two towers, so one in each of two lanes or if you destroy one tower and the ancient that then replaces it um, that's a slightly harder task because the tower has 40 health but the ancient has 80 so it's like Mm. you know you would only sort of get that as your victory condition presumably if you were really doubling down on that lane or had you know but but obviously you would still not be able to entirely leave the other two alone because you'd still need to protect your own stuff. So there's a lot of, like, I think needing to flip between that micro and macro kind of view and sort of keep track of what's happening and the different synergies of the cards that you have and figure out, like, you know, things like whether you want to store for time or, you know, how you've built your deck and what the probability is that things will come out and, you know, like how you're going to chain your attacks and like adjacency bonuses and whether the things that you have in one lane could be used in another lane like I haven't seen it but I've read um Tim Clark's like in-depth thing and like talked Mm. to him about it um because he wrote a a big old thing for PCG and then stuck around until crazy o'clock in the morning answering questions on Reddit about things. I think he finished he finished right now sort of three in the morning (laughs) local time it was crazy Mm. so yeah so I was kind of like oh okay like finding out more and more as it it went fast one of the things that was interesting was that the heroes seemed to divide into four different colours which are kind of like flavours or like personalities of Mm play I guess and you can kind of use them to augment particular styles that you want to adopt and stuff whether that's like you know I guess that sort of go for aggression kind of style of thing I think he said he said in his um sort of hands-on that the black and red sort of deck ended up being quite aggressive whereas like there was a bluey green one that was more sort of slow paced and sort Mm. of needed time to ramp up to higher powered spells and things like that so um and i will say that i don't like hearthstone but i did want to play this why 
I think I mean, not- partly because I... It, there is definitely the curiosity factor because mm. as someone who has sunk 2,000 hours into Dota, I'd like that knowledge to have meant something. <laughs> like, it's kind of interesting to see how it's translated as well. Yeah. One of the actual really interesting things to me, though, was that a lot of the heroes were drawn from Dota, but it also has some of its own. So they're not beholden to each other in the way that, you know... I, I don't know if this holds true now, but I think all of Hearthstone's stuff is drawn from mm. their universes, right? It's all from it's all from the Warcraft universe. But yeah. there's no there's nothing in there that's entirely unique to Hearthstone, right? I think there is. Oh, okay. But it's like, but it's such a big. It's universe. like this it's like, specific kobold. Yeah. Okay. It's not like, but it's, it's not, yeah. So yeah. It wouldn't be like so they would introduce a massive, you know, a hero character that is nothing mm. to do with any of their stuff, right? It's very unlikely that something's going to make the journey from Hearthstone to WoW in any anything other than like a joke or a cameo or something. Okay. You know what I mean? Whereas they have said that characters will make the journey from artifact to Dota. Yeah. So is artifact? Really does the word artifact have meaning in yes. existing meaning in Dota? Yeah, mm. it's a it's a item rarity class. No one no one cares about item rarity in Dota really at all, but it does exist as a term. Mm. I don't know whether it has any particular meaning in terms of the card game, whether it has become something else in there that's relevant, sort of game game wise. But I don't know because um, that's one thing that I haven't seen mm. covered. I I I, I learned a fact. It's not free to play. Yeah. Oh. And it's not going to have little packs that you add on and things. It's, you just pay a loaded dollar and you got it. Uh, is that true? I think well, it's both, maybe there's it? extra bits. Yeah. It's both, I think isn't it? the idea was that you will be able to buy an entry level pack. But you're I not think. buying, you're not buying like little packs. Yes, so you are. I think you are. That the implication yeah. seemed <laughs> to be like the impression that Tim had when he left and that he put in the article was that you would also be able to buy card packs but because it, the um it's a trading card game rather than a collectible card game it will i i presume it will you might prefer to go down like that route possibly almost entirely you know sort of like trading on the steam market or selling mm. on the steam market uh, and I like see. yeah i guess maybe it will just depend how the cards shake out whether you know whether you want to sort of replenish your stocks for any reason or you know whatever else like there's i think gabe newell um explained a bit more about that in terms of the rarity and like sort of trying to um not appease, that's probably not quite the right word, but like, you know, uh, preempt the, but it's going to be pay to win, um, mm. element. So, but it'll, it, that's one of those things where you'll just have to see how it shakes out as to whether that holds true or not. I yeah. Guess. I think they said that they wanted the value of a card to be more to do with kind of cosmetic factors, like shiny versions, cards signed by pro players, that kinds of thing, which they already did in Dota in various forms over the years, mm. um, rather than, card rarity having something to do with how powerful the card is like decoupling the rarity of the card from its power level basically to avoid kind of like the legend like the rare legendary that you kind of need to compete syndrome because that seems necessary when that people will be able to sell individual cards on the steam marketplace otherwise it really genuinely does go down a pretty grim a grim alley mm. yes do you want to play it either of you definitely yeah no, no? <laughs> 
No, it sounds really complicated. And I get really stressed in Hearthstone. Really stressed. So there's, yeah. the, there's the kind of the meta stress of knowing that you've got to keep in, on top of, in order to play in, in any kind of level, you need to, you've got to know an entire pack. And then, then you've got to know all the kind of ways to use them and how they kind of evolve. And mm. like there's that. But then also in a, I get really stressed out in a game because, I mean, that's probably a good thing for most people, I imagine, but I just find it all a bit overwhelming. I don't, I really don't like card games. I get really stressed by Netrunner. I get really stressed by Hearthstone. I don't enjoy them. And I really hate the deck building aspect as well. Like that stresses me out as a, a whole other A few times I've sat down thinking, thing. right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really have a go at this. I, which I, I quite like the arena mode in um, Hearthstone where you just, oh, oh right, yeah, I like that pick, one. don't you? That's why I like Slay the Spire. Yeah. You know, I, you know, just give me some choices as we go along. Don't make me sit down beforehand. Yeah, but I think I would really like to give this a go to sort of see whether the Dota slant or the knowledge that I presumably would take over from that actually pay off in any way. Um, you know, it might be that they absolutely don't and I just go, yes, that is a card game <laughs> and join you. <laughs> Um, or it might be that it's sort of one way to actually get me into that. Yeah. I don't know. It could be that the, I mean, the, the Hearthstone thing is that for me, I think I get really stressed in Hearthstone because, uh, the game is so simple. You know, there's emergent complexity because of the sheer number of cards and the deftness with which they are designed to play, you know, counter each other. This sounds like, you can, you might be able to hide within the com- complexity or find mm. expre- creative expression within the complexity. Mm. Something I've kind of noticed that I hate playing chess, but I love playing tactics games because they're really complicated, um, despite chess being a much purer. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Or plants versus zombies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, like, so I'd like to, obviously I'd like to know what it takes to, you know, money wise, you know, what you get for that initial outlay, et cetera, what your kind of expected average outlay is. Uh, because if the, if the, um, if the bar is set against Hearthstone or any, uh, physical CCG, then that's quite a big investment necessarily. So I'd be really curious to see how that shakes out, but that notwithstanding, um, it looks really cool mechanically. And I do, I, I'm, I love, deck building and I love card games so there's um, uh, every now and then um, I go through I mean I tend to not like I haven't really stuck with any of them for a long time like I go through like an intense uh, like you know uh, moment with Hearthstone although Hearthstone kept reoccurring for me over the years and then uh, like Duelist and stuff and I think I'm ready for the dote version of that. The other thing about it that I'm excited about is, um, it's a, it's got a lot of, in fact, it's all original art. It doesn't reuse any art from Dota. Hmm. Um, and I like the art that they've shown so far. Um, I like the style. It looks sufficiently different to Hearthstone. It feels very Dota, which has got a slightly more, um, sort of laid back style. I don't know how quite it's great. It's not realistic, but there's sort of a kind of, um, quite sort of clean. Yeah. Almost like sort of color, like, more solid colours. Slightly more painterly, I would yes, say. Yes, that's a good one um, for it. Whereas uh, Hearthstone tends to feel more like a... Comic book. Yeah, or like a movie franchise kind of advert, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, it's just a, a lot more... Like, the, the saturation and the 
brightnesses way up. <laughs> yes, totally. And like having basically exhausted every single piece of official extant Dota art in the course of doing header images for Dota articles over the course of the years, just the fact that there's this huge repository of new Dota pictures is really exciting. Even though no, that's not a problem I have to solve anymore. I just like knowing that it's out there. There's just a lot of pictures. Whoever does my job in the future, <laughs> they won't go wanting. Exactly. The big, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, um, like I was personally surprised by the game it turned out to be and i think it um it's interesting like the 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 hero kind of color associations thing is interesting because i think when i heard that that was the case i assumed it would break down really neatly into the dota hero categories intelligence agility and strength which are are blue green and red Uh, but because this is fourth one the kind of black color um this just feels like magic gathering to me now like Mm. it's kind of interesting seeing two kind of common bits of terminology that you know they're common to both of those games kind of collide in this obvious kind of um you know uh, all of the green heroes they've shown are green in both etc but that is uh that's neat and that's kind of changed where it is in my mind now it's a new just a new card game that happens to have a dota skin rather than the dota card game if that makes sense it's like Gwent. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played Gwent either. <laughs> I haven't really played Gwent, which is because I've not, like, The Witcher is, remains my biggest blind spot, so. I, I did play it in Witcher and I enjoyed it very much. It's like, yeah, it's good. Anyway. Mm. But anyway. I like it? Pontoon. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to do some counting. No That's one's great. done that on the video games, as far as I'm aware. Oh, Pontoon. Is Pontoon basically. Blackjack. I think so. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's then, just what we had to call it at school so we didn't get our cards confiscated the longest time. <laughs> it's okay, it's Pontoon. Yeah, exactly. Then you can play an excellent game of Pontoon in almost any game, but um, I would particularly draw attention to the Game Boy James Bond adventure where you can just stop in the casino level and play a crap Blackjack mini game <laughs> for every car journey you take between the years. Of 1996 <laughs> and 1998. Wow. <laughs> that explains that stare you get sometimes. Mm. <laughs> Twist. Stick. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any other news going on? So there's, there's a rumour of... Because we're, we're, we're sort of on the beginning of spring, which means that we're at the part of the year now where... Things that are going to be announced at E3 get leaked on purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Splinter Cell, that's probably going to be a thing this year, seems like. There was a, an Amazon listing for Splinter Cell 2018. And given that the second half of this year is so kind of devoid of yeah, traditional AAA big old shooty gams. I it's, believe it's Tomb Raider. leaked today. With the most bizarre of- leak. Well, it was really weird because it's things like, oh, I, I just happened yeah. to be looking through the HTML on the website or, you Which know, somehow, was... for some reason, they thought they'd put the entire marketing campaign schedule in. The thing is, though, I've always been confused by, like, people who data mine because it's like, who does that? Why? Why do people... I do, so- I do they... sometimes look because because they put Easter eggs in there sometimes. Do you? Yeah, uh, okay. Something like this always has the... The, the alarm bell of like someone was told to look there, yeah. kind of about it, and the, and you can guess you know the the, the movie reviews are mm. out today. Like, oh, that's that's funny. That's the both so, of them yeah. happening yeah. the same day. Maybe mm. that's what would prompt you if you were that kind of person to do that. But yeah, maybe I'm being too 
too naive. I think I think that you you are have a healthy attitude, and nobody should be digging around in in. I just HTML. feel like you know I've got sandwiches to eat. It's I, I'm not going to be deep diving on a website for. for oh, it's a new web. I heard there's crumbs. a new website out. Let's have a look at the code. <laughs> I'm in. Speaking of basically exactly Alex that. Alex Wiltshire, web detective. Well, speaking of Alex Wiltshire, web detective. Um, <laughs> Sam Barlow's hashtag war games came out today. <laughs> Is he a web detective? I think it's about web detectives okay. of, of a sort. Because I only hackers. really know the basic plot of war games, the Matthew Broderick film of the 80s, which was loosely inspirational, right? I think this is a, yes, I think it's a reimagining of... That, I hope okay. it's not too cool because because that's one of the endearing things about the original war games is that nobody comes off as very cool. Because wasn't the plot of the original war games that Matthew Broderick ended up sort of thinking that he was just tooling around but was actually really on the verge of triggering? That's exactly war, it, right? Oh, it was thrilling. <laughs> I feel like we should watch this on mm. one of. Oh, it's wonderful! No, no, literally, it's it's. I, we watched it fairly recently because I wanted to show my son and. Um, and and everybody got massively into it. It's really good. Oh, it's a really good film. Also, side note, sorry, podcast. Um, you know how I've been recommending you a bunch of amazing trash TV oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah. Vampire Academy. Check it out. Film. Oh my! So wow. good. I can vouch. Okay. So good. It's like a million billion things happen. Uh, just one after another and it's just the best thing like randomly Jolie Richardson turns up as the queen of vampires they, and, they like, got I, her in? yes yes they did and is it vampire school by so it's a vampire school but um, like half of the people are vampires and half of the people are dampires and the dampires have to collect the vampires protect rather oh yeah <laughs> that sounds like fun. No, it's appalling. Yeah. But in a- No, it's it's <laughs> transcendental. A crow dies for no reason. Oh, that crow. Um anyway. <laughs> sorry, Back Sam. Um, <laughs> I think he'd if want you, to if know. You, if you made, so, watch more trash TV, Sam. Yeah, because then he can remake hashtag Vampire Academy. <laughs> Top tip. I'd actually totally play Sam Barlow's Vampire Academy. Yes. <laughs> um, interactive movie. <laughs> hmm. Um, but yes, so the new War Games, it's like, it's a TV show with interactive elements. I'm not sure exactly how that works. I think the first episode is about 11 minutes long. And it's available for free on the War Games website. I haven't, I don't go too deep into the weeds on it because I haven't watched, played it. Um, but it is on Steam. Um, I think for like an ad free version that costs $3, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's potentially amazing, you know. Yeah. Because it's one of those things that has been knocking around in various forms, as in interactive movies, um, for a fair old while now. Because I remember when I worked at Wired, it was one of those news stories that would sort of circulate every now and again. It would be the latest company putting out for venture capital funding. This time they can really do it. And like, I think this one, I think I might even have written about the company before it got renamed... It's either Eco or Echo, like E-K-O. But I think it was something else before. It was like Interlude or something Mm. prior to that. And I think, if I remember rightly, Sam Barlow isn't just this game's sort of creator and and director. I think he might be the creative director for that company, as in not, um, you know, like the, the person in charge of their 
mm. like the actual sort of creation side mm. rather than like showrunner kind of fella. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that's still the case, but I'm fairly sure that was what it was when I last when I last wrote about it. But mm. I'd be really interested to see like what it is now and well, he whether he seems to be good at putting a game in. That yeah. was before it was kind of here's a sort of uh, branching narrative and with clunky kind of interludes. Yeah, I remember uh, the last thing I played that tried this was Defiance. Remember Defiance? Oh, with the, the MMO, the, one with the, yeah, with the TV yeah. series, the Sci-Fi Channel TV yeah. series. It was terrible. Is it, hadn't they? Didn't they just announce that that some part of it, like the game, still exists or something? It does. It's yeah. gone free to play or something. Or yeah. something's happened to it. There's a sort of there was like a sub Warframe, sub Destiny kind of shooter MMO that they built. The sort of ostensibly actions in the game would would tie back into the TV series. But I think we talked about this a podcast actually. I reviewed it for PC Gamer, but it was just impossible because the 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 time the, the production schedules for each of those things were so wildly different mm-hmm. that they would never they would just never work and they, from the conception to execution was completely doomed because there was no no way it would ever line up in a way that players would find meaningful yeah at and the same time players are sort of like we've seen this kind of thing um, before since when has TV haven't gotten games right yeah there was a thing I think not too long ago that wasn't a game but it struck me as more on the um on the on a similar continuum with regard to things like her story, which was it was a, a short film, you know, maybe five minutes long or something, and you would you could watch it from any one of the three main characters' perspectives, and so by scrubbing back and forth and you know switching between those in real time, you could actually unpick what had happened, mm. and that sort of struck me as more. Like when I've when I've come back to thinking about Sam Barlow's projects or where he might fit in in all this again, I haven't played it and I don't know more than when I last wrote a news story about it years ago, probably. Um, but that struck me as more, you know, a, a, an interesting way of doing that is having these intertwining perspectives that you sort of never quite get the full story because you're sort of always trying to like figure out the cause or the effect or Hmm. you know that kind of thing which is super interesting it must be so difficult to do but Mm. like i i would be super interested to see whether that technology or that idea has found its moment i guess because it does keep circling back Mm. around so yeah yeah it's cool um i think maybe this be something for us to discuss play it next next week next week yeah Stay tuned. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Alex, hmm? what have you been playing? I've been playing an interactive video game. Okay. It's called uh, Deep Rock Galactic. Hmm. And that was it is... the PC Gamer Weekend. Oh, cool, really? Yes, good, it good. was. Yeah, it's in early access right now. And um, it's very solid, very solid early access uh, game, I would <laughs> say. Because it's a rock. It's... <laughs> I oh and I've forgotten. I knew I I made a note to remember it, and I knew I'd forget it. But it's um it's it's got a slogan, and it's a really good slogan. It's three words, and it's like dwarves. You are a space dwarf, obviously. Mm. Uh, dwarves, my uh, dark. That's like five words dwarves, already. Dark, and another word would be a D. Drilling. Really good. Drilling. It might be drilling. <laughs> you are a dwarf in a party of four dwarves, all played by other players. It's fully, it's totally multiplayer game. 
you uh, go out onto a planet or into a planet, I should say, and you're you're given an objective to mine a certain amount of a material, uh, which so you'll have to delve deep into a cave system with your three compadres, and um, you're fighting uh, kind of arachnid-style enemies, which kind of come out from the gloom, and um, and when you've mined enough stuff, you then uh, trigger the escape capsule or the the going back to your spaceship which is kind of in orbit around the around the, the planet uh, and then you have to rush back to it before it takes off without you and it is really fucking fun it's like it's like left for dead meets minecraft mm-hmm. um and what i really like about it and what i'm going to be writing about is the it 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 has this uh, the first time i saw a trailer of it um is the thing the mechanic it is for the mechanic, nice. yeah. The first thing I, the first written thing really took me when I saw the first trailer is, uh, this image of, uh, you can, t- you've got a, a supply of, um, recharging flares. You can, you have three and they can continually reach, recharge. And you throw, uh, a flare and without, if you're not providing light, it is pitch black. Like it is like being in Minecraft mine without, you know, and you're blocked in. And it, and something I've always loved about games from the first moments you saw projectiles, which was emitted light, you know, back in the nineties and like, Oh my God, it's so cool. Like, mm. um, the quake and stuff. The 1890s, the, the as 1890s, we have established. Say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is in Bar Kingdom Brunel did it so well. <laughs> uh, but uh, throwing out this this um, flare into the dark, and it's f- just sort of gently paraboloing down into this kind of cave, and it's so cool. It's got this um, sort of somewhat low poly, no texture kind of look to it, which really catches the light. You know, really emphasizes you know what's being lit, and, and you see it just falling down into the distance. That's cool. And it's it's really you said, know, so, but that that is. Something is really important. You've got to keep things lit so you know what's what, what's available mm. around you. Um, and it's also a really nice way of keeping the four players together. Like, so th- there's quite a few threats down there, and you can choose the level of um, challenge you're going to go into um, at the start of a campaign or at the start of a, a, a sortie into the mine. Um, but but mostly you've got to stick together because there are occasionally just you know hordes of insects come at you. So being able to see where they are is a Great advantage. Um, there are four, I think, classes. There's a gunner who has a big mini gun. Um, there is a scout. Who... A mini big gun. <laughs> yeah, I think the scout has a shotgun. I think uh, I haven't actually played the scout, but it also the scout also has a gun that is able to shoot flares into the ceiling or into a surface so they can put down and it's got a brighter light to it. Um, there is an engineer who can put down turrets, and there is. Another one, which... There's a tank, I believe, because I played as that one. Oh, you played? Yeah. Um, well, I tried to, because I, but it was one of those things where, because it was a work event, I'd come in early, yeah. so I didn't have anyone to play with, so it was, I just ended up chatting with the PR for a while. Um, but yeah, and so I actually have, um, I have it, so I really wanted to play with you, but this is the week that my PC uh, decided to, to kick the bucket at home, so need to sort of figure that one out but were you playing with people you knew or you no playing? strangers okay. and actually it works look well i i really don't like playing with strangers but not only is matchmaking sort of you click hit play a quick play and it found three people and it also has drop in as well um but that i think it's partly the like mechanic means that everybody is placed quite close together and you feel 
under threat. It feels quite claustrophobic because you can't see far. You tend to stick together. And the cave systems are very windy, very complex. Um, and so, you know, you don't... If people are out of sight and you can hold down control and it, you can see outlines of where they are, when when they're out of sight, you kind of go, oh, God, I'm all alone. Um, your uh, Your flares last about 15 seconds. So, you know, you'll want everybody to be throwing lights to, to have a continual. Some of the chambers are huge. So a lot of the time you actually, you actually, you know, while you're moving through a space, you'll spend a lot of time sometimes in, in large cave, in open areas just to kind of make sure you've got everything from out of them. Once you've got the quota, um, you have this thing called the mule, which is like, where you're dumping your minerals into, uh, the more minerals you get, like they're the ones you're collecting, but they're also sort of subsidiary ones that, that will give you extra kind of points and mm. stuff. Um, uh, the, you have to summon the mule, and this is a little, a clunky little thing that can actually walk on sort of ceilings and things, comes on and you fill it up and it's really good. Uh, and, um, uh, uh, there's good mobility um, sort of uh, uh, options you have, so the gunner is able to shoot uh, a zip line with a with a very limited number of st- a stock of them. So you've got to use it carefully, and that anyone else can then use your in in place zip, zip lines to get up there. One of the other um, dwarf uh, classes, Cambridge one, is able to put down platforms and to build kind of staircases. There's a driller, that's the one. Oh, that's okay. the other one, which has two just driller arms, is able to just dig through. Kind yeah, of. I think I basically picked the one that sounded like a tank because yeah. it was like, okay, because I, I wasn't sure I'd have anyone else to play with, so I thought I'd try oh, and like, oh, go be in survivable. A dwarf for all occasions. <laughs> <laughs> But they're all pretty kind of, you know, useful on their own terms. They can all sort of do everything you need to. But if, when, once you've got your quota, you put everything into the mule and then it's, and then you, there's a button on the mule where the, which calls the, 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 the escape pod. Uh, and once you call that, um, you have, I think, four minutes or maybe five minutes to get back to the surface again. And sometimes it is such, a winding route you took down that it's really hard to know where you are. So you can follow the mule, which the mule then just automatically just rushes back again. So you can follow it and it leaves a light trail behind it. Um, often you can miss that. So the last time I played um, the other morning, we we were all together. We were low on supplies. You can call supplies drops in. You can run out of ammo quite quickly. So it's, you'll need to do that, but it costs you. Um, but um, so everything was running very low. Um, we couldn't find our way out of the, the big chamber, this huge chamber at the end, which we'd gotten into. Um, the, the mule just disappeared. Everyone was just going round and round in circles, not being able to find the way. Eventually, me and one other person did find the way out, and we were charging up. We had very little time. We had about like a minute left to get to, and we were just running, running, running. And at the end, we were just like the arachnid alien fellas just came in and just tore us to pieces, and it was great. It was really fun. <laughs> Um, uh, it is, yeah, it's early access. There are chunks of kind of like the base in which you kind of, there's like a sort of a social communal area where there are sort of, uh, sort of bits of it, like a commemoration hall and various other little sort of incidental bits, which aren't built yet. Um, but it's quite nicely framed because it's as if the dwarves haven't actually made it yet. So it's called, it sort of works. Um, the one thing I do wonder is, will it have, that long-term kind of sort of pull. Like, 
will you always get the same experience you know because you're mm. it's a, mm. quite a it's quite a sort of a set thing you you go down you mine stuff and then you rush back again and that that is in, and on the way you will have sudden rushes of lots of insects and you'll have to deal with them and you know, is that enough? And then I thought that Left for Dead was the same experience over and over again, and that well, was... So I wonder whether it will come down to things like... Because um, the other thing, and the thing which I, you might be going to talk about, is Vermintide 2. Hmm. Which, which solves is, this problem. Yeah, and it has that sort of the, the AI director and the random spawning, and, and I, one of my... US colleagues, uh, you know, felt that, you know, it, 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 yeah, it does seem to have that sort of freshness at least sorted out, even if it has other I things would, that it is. Yeah, so, so Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead pioneered the sort of AI director kind of thing in order to keep it fresh. It doesn't work beyond a certain point because I think you've, you've found you've your rhythm. the zombie. It, it generates a rhythm, and then you get to know that rhythm, and mm. then, you know... I think, well, I mean, so I would say that, like, it feels like co-op, four-player kind of um, experience, like, shooter. No, it's not really fully a shooter, but you know what I mean? So it makes me have a bit of a moment at the moment, because Film Tattoo just came out. Uh, the other thing I've been playing uh, this week is Rainbow Six Siege's new co-op event, which is an absurdly lavishly produced four-player zombie shooter using the verb set of that game, which works remarkably well. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, and super interesting here about Deep Rock Galactic, because between all three of those things, there's, like, a few different ways of solving what I would say is the root problem with Left 4 Dead, which is that um, you can... Actually, the problem of replaying those encounters wasn't that the AI director wasn't sufficiently remixing them, but you didn't have sufficiently interesting things to do minute to minute other than like fight the horde right so deep deep rock there's progression systems and kind of you know you're upgrading your your equipment and, and you're earning stuff down there for stuff right yeah. <laughs> well actually no not there aren't uh, you're not using the minerals that you get you're just getting money which oh, then okay. you're, you're funneling into um because the minerals you get depending on just depend on whichever you know, cave you roll. So, but you've got, you know, you're upgrading your weapons, you're buying new beards and stuff like that, you know, so there's, yeah. there's all that. I think being in early access, they also have lots of plans for new creatures, which will mix things around and, and different caves will feel quite different. They, they have different kind of populations. Yeah. And I really like the idea that you're there with a slightly more open-ended purpose than get to the end of the level, which yeah. is something that's common to Left 4 Dead, Vermintide and, Rainbow Six's thing, I think it's called. I think it's called Outbreak. Is that Outbreak or Contagion? It's one of those. Um, uh, Pandemic. Legacy. Coughs and sneezes spread diseases. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like that, I really like the idea of like a more open-ended um, objective and presumably map where your goal is to collect, not not simply kind of press through to the next yeah. thing. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, really and cool. you're solving spaces like there are there's spatial puzzles. And you know, interestingly, it's not. It's kind of it's procedurally generated, but in a spelunky way. So it's prefabbed chunks, chunks, but assembled in kind of mm. procedural mm. ways. That sounds super cool, though. I'd actually really like to play it now that I kind of know a bit more about it. I, I think I see early access a bit like Minecraft, and I my brain goes to the sort of, like almost immediately switches off, which yeah. is a it's, it, that's my error. That's not really on the game at all, but like it's sort of seeing how the pieces fit together has become much more 
Mm. Maybe we could form a little yeah little crew dwarf dwarf mining crew yeah That'd yeah. Cool. I was playing as a dwarf in, in Vermintide. I was happens. hoping you would. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what I would say so um, uh, actually, so here's the thing here's the thing about Vermintide too because I really really like Vermintide too and it is very similar to Left 4 Dead and I appreciate some of the things it does well the things that Vermintide One did well. Um, I didn't play loads of Vermintide One whereas I played sort of ten hours of Vermintide Two so far so I feel a bit more qualified and I think it's. It's one of those sequels that sort of just does everything better than its predecessor because it's, you know, Fat Shark aren't a huge studio. So I think this is just them getting a second stab at the same thing and just doing every element of it better, basically. But fundamentally very similar game, which is essentially Warhammer Left 4 Dead. Um, it's the old Warhammer Fantasy universe, which I, I really, really like. And you are a band of heroes fighting the end times, which takes the form of a big horde of Skaven. And in... In uh, Vermintide 2, um, hordes of chaos warriors and marauders as well. So you have human enemies. And I would say that the thing, the difference maker, the thing that separates it from um, all the other games that we're talking about is that it is not a survival experience. Huh. Um, it's not like, so, you know, um, Left Dead is how do we make a kind of multiplayer game that kind of not not fully procedurally, but kind of generates a kind of like zombie movie survival firefight encounter. Um, Vermintide's whole guiding light is like, how do we make Helm's Deep or Minds of Moria? Why? How do we, how do we make that the co-op experience? And it has exactly the same kind of set of verbs as Left 4 Dead, but its aspirations in terms of tone is completely different. And um, I really, really, really like that because the, the ironic thing is it's really hard. It's much harder than Left 4 Dead. Like if you play, playing at the easiest setting, you will not win the first time you play it. Like you have to keep trying and like you will get wiped out. And when it randomly drops a boss monster in, sometimes you'll just get completely screwed. It's actually like it's, it's much, much, much more taxing than I found Left 4 Dead to be at the normal difficulty levels most people blast through it on. Um, but despite that, the kind of the reason I've really been enjoying it is it creates this really strong sense of like actually you're a bunch of heroes on an adventure, not a bunch of survivors battling the odds. Like, um, it like they've um, improved. There's a bunch of things that contribute to that. One is the fact that you're not. Um, it's predominantly a melee game. You have a ranged weapon, but your ranged weapon, and you can swap every every. So there are lots of different uh, characters, and they but they each have lots of different weapon loadouts. And the weapon loadouts that you pick affect kind of what you're going to be good at. So um, I have taken to playing my dwarf kind of as a tank with a big shield um, and a shield and a hammer and then a, a kind of a breech-loaded shotgun, basically, that is really good against um, crowds because I can just unload it into a crowd, but also I can kind of like do loads of damage to a boss if I can get close to a boss, but that carries risk. Um, and then with my shield, um, I have... A, like a huge kind of like block stamina bar when you start to block you have like an, a certain amount of shields pop up and everyone can do this but you know their elf if the elf goes to parry with her sword she might get three shields and as a stout little dwarf hiding behind my shield I get seven and it covers a 180 degree arc in front of me when I block and that's sort of um, practically blocking everything in front of me for people standing behind me and because I'm really little they that, can reach over they can shoot you. over my head which is really sweet um, and there's lots of things like that so different characters have different ability and kind of crowd control kind of abilities there's almost some sort of 
MMO or like yeah. the other thing that reminds me of is Destiny Roads actually like that kind of like mm. we've all got a different skill set with which to manage this horde so yeah, there are because like the, the left of dead you're all pretty much the same like depending on which weapon you've mm. got and it's funny because there's so many areas where it has a, a huge amount of overlap like it has um, special skaven that will come and hunt you down pin you down or try and drag you away and it spawns special kinds of monsters like like the left of dead specials it's very similar it has the same thing where you have mini healing which will heal you and you have maxi healing which will also reset the number of times you can be down before you're instantly killed like lots of the exact same mechanics but it feels so different because you're so much you're so much more uniquely capable and there's loads of room for individual people to kind of uh, obviously screw up in fun ways and get murdered as in left for dead or a game like this but also to kind of have what i think is its ideal moment which is the kind of like gimli legolas rivalry where you're kind of Tal- you know, actually kind of competing to see how, you know, stylishly and dramatically you can kind of fantasy warrior your way through, um, the hordes of Skaven and, and Chaos Marauders and things. And it also makes a big difference that your opponents are actually like not zombies or mindless creatures, but actually like, like they're not super smart. They tend to swarm you, but they're like opponents with weapons and they, some of them have shields and their shields can be disarmed. And so the actual act of fighting them feels a lot more like mm, a fight. More involved. And there's a lot more like cool, some of it, I don't know if it's fully locational damage, but there's great animations for like the angle you actually hit something. So, um, as a dwarf, like I really am like half the height of everyone else. Like they don't, like there's a, one of the early levels on one of the little campaigns, mm. uh, one of the first environments you go through is a cornfield. And I, I was literally completely f- I couldn't see a fucking thing. And I was having to explain, like, guys, I can't see. And, like, my friend Dan turns around and just, he can just see the top of my helmet, like, bobbing along <laughs> through the corn. And, like, then we, we all got, we all died a bit later and we tried that mission again. And I just stood at a rock, like, in the corner of the cornfield with a rifle. Just like, I'm gonna help from here. I'm not coming into the corn. And, like, uh, there's a, there's a Warhammer joke there somewhere. But, um, like, and that. Not a good one. Not a good one. But, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And that I really, really like the fact that it sort of commits to that so much and sort of you really feel it. Like I thought it was a game about fighting um, man-sized rats and giant men. And it's actually a game about fighting normal-sized men and little rats. Um, but uh, yeah, but the fact that you can like, as the dwarf kind of like run up to somebody and swing with your hammer and like take a chaos warrior out of the knees because that's where the, or like leap off a rock to kind of bonk him on the head and it feels like a real hero moment. Like all that stuff I really, really like about it. Really, it's really good looking as well. Like really lovely environments and effects and really good sound and, and all that is kind it, of stuff. So is it like, so what, what is the thing that, uh, will get you to win your third game like is it teamwork is that- so partly it's just leveling up like mm. so that that I think is a criticism that like when you're all level one it's a lot harder like you get power and you, you oh know. leveling is persistent yeah. is it it's yeah, not yeah, within, yeah. Yeah, within a it's, level it, yes you level each of the characters individually so that kind of encourages you to stick with one character mm. and you get loot as well don't yeah you? and you get loot so loot initially um like the actual numbers on them is later on this sort of like legendary loot with special effects and sort of much thicker kind of RPG stuff. Um, initially it's mostly like, Oh, now I have access to a different kind of weapon. So I'll give you an example. We were initially struggling with, um, chaos warriors, which are these big, heavily plate armored giant dudes that kind of walk at you and they're quite easy to dodge, but they take ages to kill. And, um, and obviously the, the kind of enemies you end up fighting is random. Um, uh, we play a mission that might be more chaos than Skaven or other way around, different bosses, that kind of thing. 
Um, but then I got a rifle that um, was sort of slow firing, but had a quite a big knockback effect when I got a headshot, like a stun effect. And I found that like if the other guys could protect me, I could chain stun a Chaos Warrior as long as I kept landing headshots. And that felt very, that felt very destiny, actually, that kind mm, of like. That does sound it. Um, and, but that felt really cool because it was like, oh, this loot thing has opened up this strap. And this will, this means that like, when we started, it's the kind of traditional Left 4 Dead thing of we're just running around. Everyone's trying to do a bit of everything. And I played for six, seven hours with the same group, same people. And by the time the end of that period, uh, we definitely knew like, oh, it's this kind of special enemy. Like, so most of the time it's just hit it is the solution. But sometimes it's like, oh, it's this kind of special enemy. I'll actually peel off and handle this one. Like, um, there's, uh, there are rattling gunners, which are the skavens with big gatling guns, basically. And if they're in a hard to reach place, they can be quite annoying to kill, like, cause they stagger you when they hit you with their hail of bullets. So if you are, have a long range weapon and they're aiming at you, they fire for ages. It's quite hard to, um, get that one shot off that will take it out. It's not impossible, but like sometimes it's just annoying. And we found that, um, because I have so many different shields when like my shield bar is so big when I have my shield up that my shield bar will actually last the entire duration of the minigun mm. clip, uh, which is obviously calculated, right? If you're trying to parry it with a sword, you'll quickly get overwhelmed. But if you have a shield up and it has this brilliant animation or like sound animation lighting combo because they're glowing bullets of you holding the shield up and feeling it getting like boom, 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 boom. But you can keep kind of wading into the fire like as the, as the bullets ricochet kind of harm, harm us off the shield. So that meant that like five, six hours in, we're going, I, who have now looted a shield and have that, didn't start the game with it, can now go, oh, it's a rattling gunner. You keep doing the boss. I will just walk slowly at him. Soak up all the fire and then bonk him on the head. Bop him on the head. Um, and so I, I'm a big, in co-op games, I'm a big sucker for that kind of thing. Like I love any sort of mm. breaking down of like, this is my job. I'm going to go do my job now. And, oh, you did your job really well. And that looked really cool. And you saved me or, you know, that kind of thing. I really, really, really like. Um, but it's sort of quite organically kind of uh, bubbles up as you kind of get stuff. Yeah. And it is, it is, I think it's quite grand. It's quite, quite slow to level. And obviously if you want to play all the characters, then that means leveling all the characters. It's kind of like so what do you got? You got a you got a you got a dwarf. Dwarf. So there's a dwarf. Um, each of them has three subclasses now. So uh, which you get, get as you level. So the dwarf starts off as like a ranger, um, but then levels up to become a tank, ironbreaker warrior, and then becomes a slayer later on if you want. Um, it's got to be a slayer. I assumed you'd be the slayer. Yeah, it would be. I haven't unlocked it yet. Um, then there's the wood elf. Uh, who just goes through various flavors of Wood Elf and is extremely passive aggressive. They've got quite good voice acting. Like I've really... heard mixed things about the voice acting. I like it. I really like it. I, I like it because it's so weird. I think because it's it's non. It's very Warhammer in that it's not. It's it's a traditional set of fantasy tropes, but they're all slightly kind of grubbier and weirder than they would be if this was a D and D game or most Tolkien games or anything like that. So. The dwarf is kind of constantly complaining and from Yorkshire because Warhammer dwarves aren't Scottish is the kind of like, the elf is Scottish and constantly complaining about everybody else. Well, no, she's constantly complimenting everybody else, but in a kind of like negging them sort of way. Like, oh, that's quite a good shot. It's kind of, it was off. I wouldn't have done that, but it works for you kind of sort of thing. She's really irritating. There's a witch hunter who is a uh, sort of tall, thin, weedy reedy kind of British man with a high-pitched voice and a brace of dueling pistols and a rapier who sort of is constantly talking like this um, sort of sounds like a kind of like a 40s train conductor who's determined to murder wizards and 
Um, and there's a it's been a lot of uh, Agatha Christie. Yeah, there has been. And there's a, a bright wizard, so a fire mage who's always on fire, who's a sort of middle-aged lady who calls everybody darling. Um, and uh, and she her head is she's wearing literally a brazier which is on fire around her head. And if she casts her fire spells too enthusiastically, she has a bar that fills up, uh, which is our overheat bar. And if she overheats, she just blows up. So you have to, you have to kind of like, um, I've, you know, my friend Pete, who's playing her, does occasionally just say, oh, sorry. And then poof, like, there he goes. So that's, that's good. And then the other one, which we're not playing, because there are five characters, but it's a four player game, is the Empire Soldier, who is just a man with a big mustache and a halberd. <laughs> Um, Where's he from? Bristol? Uh, it's Midlands-ish. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually really like the the kind of the tone and the yeah. writing. Like it's, no, I, it's it's a really unusual set of you know what I mean. It's not like the cool fantasy tropes that you would expect. Like yeah. they're all weirdos, and that's that's the most Warhammer thing about it. Yeah. Um, it's just full of it's just packed jam full of weirdos. There's a lot of good shouting. Also, it also helps a lot that Skaven can talk. Like, because they're, you know, the Chaos dudes can talk as well. Mostly it's yelling, but, like, there is personality to your opponents. It's not monsters or scre- just zombies that kind of hiss and, and, and burble at you. There's, like, actual personality to them as they flee, as they run away, as, as that kind of thing. I, re- I really am impressed with it. I think the, the only downside, I would say, is that the time commitment it requires in terms of leveling up has given me this absolute terrible fear of missing out kind of I was, as your friends FOMO. kind of go yeah around. I didn't want to say FOMO in case people didn't know what that meant but yeah it's more than that like, it's not because it's not even a it's a it's a genuine Legit. yeah did genuine, you understand FOMO I, I'd have gone oh, I'd have to have spent a few minutes wondering okay I think we can use that one I was trying to tailor this for like <laughs> a, we not, can work with that not just cool kids yeah not online um, but it's but it's yeah, but it's more than just a fear. It's like it's an actual practical problem. Yes, it's it like feels, the destiny fucking problem. It is, and like the game by leaning into that um, sort of leveling up stuff, and also I think by being the kind of game it is to link back to what we talked about at the start, to being the kind of game where your first experience of this stuff is always more special. Mm-hmm. Like I think the RPG stuff is cool because it means that once you have experienced it all for the first time, you still have characters to level up and legendary gear to get that have cool passives and all the kind of Diablo stuff. So I don't know how far the Rock Galactic will go with that because you actually, at level one, you are incredibly effective. Like, you know, the monsters will drop quickly so you level up and it's mostly sort of you carry more ammo rather than damage increases Mm. so it's actually you become more effective but you don't output greater so you can you know level one you can join a high level party and you'll be as far as i can figure you'd be very you'd be just fine Maybe that's for while it's in early access and has maybe a smaller player base Mm. because it might be that that's a thing that enables matchmaking to work better and they might tweak it after, I guess. But yeah, no, I take your point. Um, But yeah, because of the way it's structured, I really want that ideal first playthrough of it, but it's also a pretty long game because it's very difficult. What's the session? How long is the session? I mean, I've been playing it in like two, three hour chunks and we've barely made progress through one arc of three. I'm nearly through a season of elementary in the amount of time that Chris has been <laughs> playing. 
I'm on episode 18 of uh, season Yeah, five. I don't even quite maps because I think I've been <laughs> like, maybe I went about 10, 12 hours played actually thinking about it. But yeah, like, um, it's taken us a while and I've really enjoyed it. Like, when I've been playing it, I've had the thing that happens every now and then where my brain goes, this is really good. Like, you know, just independently, you're mm. sort of sat above yourself watching yourself enjoying the thing. Mm. Um, I hear your comedy giggling a lot. There's so many moments where, like, it drops a boss <laughs> in a weird place and you get these crazy fights, like, because they've, they've done really well, meaning that even the really large enemies, like the Chaos Spawn and, and Bile Trolls and Storm, um, Storm Fiends and things, can actually, like, stoop through doorways and pull themselves through or, like, climb over walls. So a lot of the traditional, like, hide on this roof and kite it which you do initially is kind of then followed up by shit as it like yeah. some yeah. giant tentacle beast kind this of. is a game it's not meant to be able to do this yeah um, one thing actually I will say though is that I heard something thump onto the floor from upstairs when he was playing and I called up as a, like a kind of are you okay did one of the rat men come out of the well, TV because I thought, you know, like, because I think you hadn't been feeling well, so I thought maybe you'd, like, passed out or something when you didn't answer. So I ran up the stairs, properly ran up the stairs, opened your door. You didn't hear me because you were busy shouting at one of our mutual friends that you had stealth and he needed to not go in after someone or other. And I was, was just true. like, must have just knocked a book off or something. I don't know. But We were, we were fighting oh. a bile troll in a very rickety, narrow <laughs> causeway. Someone had gone down and I was going to use my smoke bomb to save them. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Got Right in the way of a denouement. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, went, I mean, I, I I was so excited. I did momentarily pass out, but that's that's how I feel there. Had to rewind Johnny Lee Miller whispering his way towards a conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. um, but yes, no, it has given me that, like, I really wish it's the kind of thing I could have, like, just consume in one sitting with one group of people and kind of get all of that mileage out of straight away. Yeah. I don't know how long I'll stick with it in terms of, like, wanting to grind as soon, as, soon to as one max. person stops kind of logging in, you kind of go, oh, let's... Yeah. Well, I had that with, um, with GTA heists and stuff. I had a group mm. that I thought that we were all going to do it together, and then and I found out they were cheating on me with another heist group, and I was like, mm. I was done at that point. I was like, oh... <laughs> And I think it's, it's genuine issue. Like GTA Heist are a perfect example of this because they are also experiences that are really best the first time you encounter them. Yeah. Mm. And also because they're kind of uh, experiences that have a thread from, from one to the next. Um, in the case of GTA, it's you kind of achieving things as a team. It's you getting the little mm. cutscenes where you're all celebrating afterwards. Like they benefit in terms of feel from doing them with the same gang. Like I feel like this is maybe a broader point, but I feel like multiplayer card games are a little bit coy about what people actually want to get out of them and we live in an age where like you know explosive new popularity of D&D and pen and paper role playing and the reason for that is because everybody fucking loves camaraderie and mm-hmm. kind of the sense of a gang where everyone is a specific character that they are attached to and the sense that they uh, people have identities as groups and individuals within that kind of fantasy that is why D&D is so big no one tunes in to watch really watch, like, a whole bunch of random people be thrown together to play D&D. It does happen. People get attached to, like, podcasts and Twitch shows and stuff about groups and really get attached to that. And GTA uh, has that as well. People get attached to their heist group. But the game itself doesn't encourage it. What it encourages you is to kind of run things again and again and again random people and sort of mine them out. Um, Vermintide is similar, actually. Amazing game to play with one group of people. But it's kind of intended to be a game where you queue for the next quick play match with whoever and you burst through this encounter. Um, 
I'd really like it if it would let you, like, bookmark a particular thing, a particular version for, like, your main group, you know? Like, you, yeah, could, yeah, you, can just you sort could go of off and have your character. throwaway, you know, tranche of characters or mm. profiles or whatever, but you'd have your, like, special core group that, you know, would only get leveled up when you played with them, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, the, the issue is, the reason for this because these games are all part of these huge bigger games in GTA's case or, or because they are big investments and they want to justify the, the price point and they want to be games you play for hundreds of hours what I kind of want is co-op experiences like that that are the length of a movie that you know what I mean like and maybe there's a cost return production ratio there that's kind of like not going to work out yeah maybe you know so you, people don't want you don't want to buy a two hour Experience, but like there are some things where it, it admittedly more on mobile, but um, you know, there are some uh game creation tools that let you like reskin it to be the, the latest popular thing and just plug in the right storylines and stuff. So, presumably, I mean, obviously, it would take you know more work and there's licensing and stuff involved, but. Theoretically, if you had the thing that could figure out how to direct encounters or, you know, that that would remix them in a satisfying way, I wonder whether at some point we will just get a thing that can spit out these movie-length episodes, you know, like if you are with a group of friends looking for a thing to do one evening, you could go with the the war-themed one or you could go with the sort of silly high school zombie Mm. Themed one, or the... or, or it's this sort of like a single theme. It's the sort of the D and D version where you know you. It's always the same world, but you'll play different adventures yeah. within that. Like just that, it would keep spitting out mm. these adventures that were that had enough of a sense of it being a thing rather than just oh, I guess we'll get a group together and boot up Dota or something, mm. right? But it would be cool if if there was this thing where you you knew that you could you know ask it for you know the more comedy thing or the more you know like the thing that was for three people because one of your lot couldn't make it or i i guess yeah i mean there are some games that sort of try and do that with letting you have different party sizes or whatever but yeah i do think that at some point we're probably going to get that thing that's a bit more customizable and Mm -hmm. sort of just offers you you know, a 90-minute shot of a thing, a flavour, right? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, episodic, like, the Hitman structure would totally work for me here. Um, but I think more than anything else, like, it's... it's and, and, and to be fair, there are going to be lots of people who completely pooped up Trump and died in the first weekend it came out with the same group of people. That's like, not a term. It is. Still gross. It, it is. <laughs> um... <laughs> And um, it's both of those things. And, um, you know, I, I sort of, maybe this is me more sort of lamenting that, like, this is, this game has made me want to be in, still in the position where it's like, should we just play this all weekend? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's, it's more that it's sort of of a structure that is a little bit incompatible with, um, is enough of, it has enough MMO DNA to be incompatible with my current life in the exact way an MMO is incompatible with my current life. I, I found I found that actually with I've mentioned it every time I've been on recently, but um Monsanto where and I had the same thing, the the missing out thing where 
I wasn't playing as much as my friends and they overtook me and like I was just totally unable to go into their fights. But then, you know, they were happily going into my fights and mm. helping me progress. But you always know that kind of they are wearing incredibly big, you know, they have incredibly sort of uh, effective armor and weapons and it's a cakewalk for them. And actually they're making the whole thing easier for me as well because they're doing way more damage than we would do. If we were yeah. Properly. I remember that from Dota from when like there were... There were a core of about six of us who stayed with it. And so, but I started to not play as much. And then, so the five that were left would play quite a lot. Um, and I, uh, there was just like this shift, this power dynamic mm. shift where I sort of suddenly realized at some point that I was the, the tag along. The sort of, yeah, yeah, like, and not in a mean way or anything, because they were still like all really nice people. We'll give, wanted to we'll play give you, Pip. You you go there, Pip. <laughs> Probably best. But like, yeah. I just, and I was just so aware as well of my own actual, you know, lack of familiarity with, for example, the latest patch. Or, you know, I'd be like, how has that character been able to do that? <laughs> but I wouldn't want to ask, because then I'd be like, even more obviously the one that was slightly behind. So mm. yeah, it's kind of. That's something that I really recognize from the Destiny, um, uh, uh raids where, mm. which have been, like, it, it's quite fun to have a guide because yeah. I've always played them with a guide. Often it's been Chris and, um, and that, you know, when Chris is a guide, it's good fun. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't let, you know, he doesn't, because <laughs> sometimes you can, because each of the encounters, uh, in a Destiny raid is so, the discovery of how it works is a part of the enjoyment of doing it. Like, mm. they're also designed to sort of do it over and over again. They're always fun just to carry out, even when you know what you're doing. But, like, the, the discovery is a part of the game. And you need a guide who is there to kind of bevel off the kind of the rough edges as you're kind of casting around thinking, how the fuck do we do this? Mm. But you also want, you know, them... You want the team to be you working want to be together. sensitive to the, the, the experience. Like I, I, I approach Destiny Shepherd because we do it a lot with a bit of a GM's eye. Yeah, to like, that's what I was so a lot of it is like. I think that's why our friend Sai is quite good at it as well because mm. he sort of he's really chill. So he'll just sort of sit back and let you bash your head against the thing and just be the sixth member of the party or whatever. But then if you are truly, truly stuck, he'll be like, "Do you want me to step in at this point?" Yeah, and it's nice that's to, be able to nice. adapt to different modes. One of them is like the I'm the safety net I'm the I'm the clue mechanic if you need a clue and the other is we have two hours you want to see this entire yeah. dungeon so I will tell you what to do but I'll also like it's something like I don't know Templar's well from the Vault of Glass in the first Destiny where actually the way you beat it is by standing on some wonky ledges above the boss encounter and shooting big balls with sniper <laughs> rifles from very very far away yeah. however that takes away all the spectacle of the encounter so first. Let's all jump down, do see the encounter, yeah. die, yeah. and then when we respawn back up on the ledge, we'll, we'll do it. That was a good way one. Does also, it had Rich McCormick was on it as well, phoning in from Japan. Oh, God, yeah. And, um, Destiny's and, and inexplicably that is his amazing netcode. <laughs> and, and his favourite thing was to cheese everything anyway, so... Yeah. The thing but then, is, though, the same like, time, whenever I played with Rich, he'd suddenly be like, oh, wait, I need my other character for this, and then, like, dip out and then turn up in another thing that he'd absolutely maxed out and had the best armour <laughs> in. And I was just like, how do you do this? How do you have a job 
husband still have all of this armor? Poop socking, Pip. Poop socking. That's so disgusting. The magic of poop socking. No, it was never a thing outside PC Gamer, and I refuse well, to even incorporate it in my own life. Unfortunately, the, the work is bleeding into everything now. Yeah, Sorry, you know. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that the um, the on one hand that works, but on the other hand, I have been in a situation where I have not played like I've played the Destiny Two raid because there was never a time when everybody was available. Yeah, and I didn't want to do it with randos, and I didn't, yeah. you know, and therefore I never fucking played it. Same. And yeah. We like, never played the. I never mad. played the last one because it was just right. our the group of people that I did every raid with. Just we couldn't get yeah. that together. And that's like that is a fucking real problem with multiplayer. It's, 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 it's greatest strength is that you play with your friends, mm. and its greatest weakness is that the best thing is to play with your friends. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because co-op is such a finely balanced thing. Like I think I've said on the podcast before that like I don't like co-op a lot of the time because I think like a, a good co-op where everything's kind of firing on all sides. Good co-op, bad co-op. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, that's really good. Um, uh, good co-op <laughs> is like the stuff I've been having of Vermintide but it's not just a fear of missing out it's the knowledge like the, the kind of like strange um, sort of so, uh, pre- like preemptive sadness that this isn't going to last yeah, yeah. Like, I'm getting, we've got like, to play now I'm because getting, like, what's, the, what's, the, what's the like the, it's like there's like a all Welsh word things must die Chris it's like, <laughs> like a Welsh word for not being able to go home again or the, the missing your home and like Hreth I think Hreth but the, I think there's also like that. a Portuguese sort of probably yeah. um, you know like getting that imme- almost immediately like yeah. I'm there I'm like slow, slow-mo bringing my hammer down onto the face of a chaos marauder and I'm thinking like this good time ain't gonna come back savour it Chris <laughs> Like, just like casting a glance, like almost like my friends are kind of suddenly framed in sepia and I'm just looking at them like... To dust we shall return. We will never all be this beautiful again. <laughs> and you won't get to binge watch elementary. Oh, my friend, you have no idea. My tiny, tiny memory means I can watch it all fresh in about three weeks' time. And be surprised. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Your, your ability to forget procedural crime shows means that they remain a kind of endless supply of entertainment. It's great, isn't it? Whereas I have the exact opposite relationship with co-op games, where it's like I'm fighting the inevitable tide of my own knowledge. Wow, wow. that was such a humble brag. I know. It was, wasn't it? That's wow. just... That's, that's next level. That's, and that, to be fair, I basically just wrote a bit of elf dialogue for Fermin Tide. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good. Questions? Maybe? Shall we? Anyone? I'm totally cutting in on that without the previous thing. <laughs> Anyone for questions? You've walked. I'll bore. <laughs> Why not? Why don't you not make me sound like I've lost my sweet mind? There's no... From Royston Basie. <laughs> we can't row back from this. You can only row onwards. I just sound like a creepy person who's turned into a spider and is starting to <laughs> demand things. <laughs> oh, that kind of guitar. Oh, yeah. Famous, one of the classics. You know, stereotyping. <laughs> You've been typecast, Pip. I know, I really have. Demanding, freshly metamorphed spider. Would you like to do some questions or not? <laughs> You've gone back to... Uh, I don't know. Yes, so first comes from... 
Uh, Henna, this is more of a kind of do you know what this game is called type question, but I forget I'd ask because I don't. That's still a question. It is totally a question. Uh, he writes, Dear CNC, a few years back you discussed an indie game with a Groundhog Day scenario where you replay the same few minutes of a man and his wife. Uh, at home, I don't remember any details of the game's title, but if I'm not mistaken, the title contained the time span that gets repeated. 12 minutes. Is it 12 minutes? It's not out yet, but it's being made by the artist who, uh, Louis uh, Antonio, who worked oh. on The Witness. Oh, that looks lovely as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful Good pictures. job. Or at yeah. least I believe that is, because if not, being, then but, there's another question that you can... <laughs> but, but, the, but the gentleman said that it was um, two years ago that was being chatted it's about. It's been a while. Has it? It's, it's been, been that, that long? for a while. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to call that one Solved. Solved. Put a tick. He's put a tick. Solved. If not, we've cut you off before you got to the crucial point <laughs> where I found out I was wrong. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, right? You know, like... If you... Yeah, you'll like this one more. This is the trick for success, is to just interrupt when you think you know the answer and then refuse to let someone finish. Is I'm learning that, this. That is how you win University Challenge. Yeah. Or lose University Challenge. And do Challenge. the politics. Yeah. And the business. They're, they're all linked, really. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, Catchphrase as well. Ding that buzz up. And then... What kind of ding was that? That was oh, actually, yeah. no, I've heard that one. Thank you. Oh, it's, See, yeah. it's yeah, like more no. of a twanging no, I, I know. Yeah, you're right, it is a twangy you. ding. And then you're like, bricks. And then, you know, because that's all you can see, because the man is standing there shouting, say what you see. If it's up there, and you've I'll panicked. give you the money myself. <laughs> exactly. But I, I only remember from the days of Roy Walker when it transitioned to like Bradley Walsh or whoever else. Oh, kind of, no, 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 no. It just no, wouldn't no, fly, no. really. That's, right? that's one for, for, for Kristen, Christopher's generation. I, that's the Bradley only, Walsh. That's all you think that's about. That's all I ever knew. <laughs> when I were a lad. Bradley Walsh is all I ever knew. I've only had one Bradley Walsh between us. <laughs> uh, for those Don't who, catch him too quickly, you. You'll be bored by tea time. I don't know what I'm talking For those unfamiliar to the British Isles, yeah. Bradley Walsh is, is a particularly mundane member of our community of light entertainers. I think Bradley Walsh would like to take issue with you on that. You're going to get messages from him. And his oh, no. And email. If Bradley Walsh would like to fight Alex Wiltshire. Alex Wiltshire. I'll, I'll be in Central Bath. <laughs> no, I was going Next to Tuesday. Like, slow down. Our Patreon is available. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash creating crowbar uh, forward slash again. Uh, Wiltshire what would... V. Walsh. <laughs> what were they w- paying for? <laughs> Where would the money go? What is it's it for? It's a stretch goal. It's to pay for my hospital bills. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, oh, you're not going to use the NHS? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, come on! <laughs> Look, I mean, I think... I mean, presumably there's some statute of limitations on, like, you know... Calling people out on, like, entertainment shows. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, you know, when the the NHS ambulance shows up and it's like, did you call out another light entertainer? We've told you. Like, you're wasting national resources. (laughs) Anyway. Well, they must have had ambulances for some things, like Takeshi's Castle and Mm. it's a Royal Rumble. Anything with Noel Edmonds in it. Yeah. Yeah. You must have had to have, like... St. John's ambulance. Uh, readers, uh, Chris gritted his teeth there. Not a fan of Mr. Blobby. <laughs> blobby, blobby, blobby! 
He's local as well, isn't he? I actually, is he, he lives very close to here. Crinkly Bottom. Pim? Yeah, there's a Crinkly Bottom <laughs> is here. We're moving. Yeah. Wasn't there like a Mr. Blobby theme park there is, yeah. sometime? Yeah. Not anymore. There are some great photographs of it now. Kind of where it looks like a fucking over. zone from Stork. It does, yes. Like, it really it's does. what Banksy it went... could only dream of. <laughs> uh, Noel Edmonds. Not to Pripyat faster than <laughs> He's another light entertainer. Famous here for his, uh, his amusing comedy character sidekick, Mr. Blobby. Well, no, he's also now famous for the uh, deal or no deal mm, side of things true. of his of his yeah from beginning you know uh, a, a very young um, Andrew Wilson was on an early episode of Deal or No Deal and that's where the loot box comes from it's real it's that's true. a lie is it yes yes it is. I was with him I was with him 100 percent of the way I was thinking this changes everything. <laughs> Also, it changes nothing, for sure. It does, actually. It doesn't change anything at all. But yeah. um, I felt moved. I love that we got a, a straightforward question that had an actual answer. I answered it really quickly <laughs> and then as well. regurgitated. Answered it so fast. Good. Our next question comes from Chris, who writes, Dear Plate and Plowman's Lunch, does it worry you that there are real classic indie games being missed on Steam and other platforms purely because of the volume of games coming out? I imagine the job of a journalist is hard, trying to find, track and follow indie stuff. Love the podcast. Please keep them coming. Chris, P.S. The only reason I pose this question is I want you to try In Celebration of Violence. It's a terrible name for a game, but I quickly discovered it's an incredibly deep and wonderful indie RPG roguelike. I guarantee you'll love it. It's the lead developer, Put it up on the list. Chris. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It does, it worries me. It's a continual worry. Well, it's one of those things where, like, you just do your best to try and find interesting things, because otherwise, like, you've wasted everybody's time. Um, but, I mean, obviously you, you sort of wonder whether you've missed stuff out, but also that's not entirely on you, if you see what I mean. Like, there's all I think, I think we're journalists, and therefore our, our real... Uh, uh, duty is to our readers mm. not to sort of game developers. Absolutely. Yeah, I think also it's things like the it's also a worry for storefronts and things, right? Because they're trying to sort of link discoverability with you know sort of more individualized recommendations and things trying to make sure that things that people want to play or would pay for get in front of the right people because especially you know i mean in terms of that question what is good is it good because you are writing a feature about a very specific thing and that thing happens to fit the Mm. bill or is it because it does a really interesting thing with save mechanics and the game itself isn't very good but it could actually you know, be super worth highlighting an element of it, or is it because it it broadens the the uh, breadth of what you can refer to as a gaming experience, or like all of that stuff? It's it's just not as simple as what is good. It's what is good for the things you are trying to achieve at that mm. particular moment. And mm. one of I guess the interesting things about game writing as opposed to game playing as a solely as a consumer is that you're sort of on the lookout for things that aren't necessarily what you want to do but what people might want to read about or what they might find interesting Mm. and some of that's interesting failures as well 
Well, I, the thing that gets to me is that often the most interesting things to write about aren't the things that are going to people want to read. Like, yeah. you know, there there's going to be a lovely indie game and the developer is lovely and has interesting things to say and their game is wonderful and more people should play it. But people don't want to read it. And mm. that is a that that that's painful. I think for me personally, I just you know. To be, to be fair, that this is what is so lovely about magazines because mm. you can put the big thing that people everyone wants to read about on the cover of the magazine, mm. and then fill half the magazine with the interesting things you actually want to write. Yeah, the captured audience. Yeah, yeah. because but then that sounds cynical. But, you, but what you're offering is a sort of digest, right? You sort mm. of put things in equivalence with one another. So here's the big game, mm. but here's something equally important, and you've paid for both. So why not read both? Uh, that's a much healthier. But then, Format if you, me, I think. but on you know the series, all right for the uh, for rock paper shotgun, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. You know, you know the thing that you want to write about, and the game that kind of you know that this is the thing that actually moves you, and you you write something that you're proud of, and it one you know it gets traffic, yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't traffic, and then the one that kind of yeah, people are like that, and it takes off, and you know. And that's, yeah. It's about that balance, really, isn't it? it? It's kind of like, you know, you have a sense of not exactly the trade off that you'll make, but the sort of relative proportions of those things that you will do to contribute both to your own health and to the health of the community you're trying to create. So, you know, they, they may well want to read about dark souls again and that's absolutely fine like i'm not judging people for wanting to read more about you know particular games but like also you can sort of try and make sure that the site is also or the magazine is furnished with enough other stuff that it isn't just that one thing and that it also that it puts it in context or that it you know makes a broader snapshot of what's happening in gaming right now that isn't just well nothing in AAA came out so I guess we'll just you know end early this week (laughs) (laughs) let's produce a pamphlet or you know it's not it's one of the deficiencies that we have in text which kind of YouTube I mean you with a with a on YouTube or with video you can you can you can show an obscure game that people aren't necessarily immediately interested in and they will you know they'll have an impression of that game and, and its appeal very 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 quickly whereas you've got to you've got to reel them in like <laughs> just bear with me for this couple of paragraphs while i explain to you why you should like this game and like you know that that's a much bigger commitment than immediately seeing a thumbnail and you know being pulled in that way yeah yeah. yeah, and being also immediately having that game sort of shown to you alongside a personality you definitely like. Yeah, obviously a writer can do that, but it's a it's a lot. Yeah, and your personality, you know, immediately is communicated through like a few a name at the top of the page, which people may or may not yeah. notice. A big gurning face, often. Yeah, mm. or a small one, or, yeah, or even a medium. Anywhere, really. Well, you're a big fan of the Guardian ones that look slightly like someone's peering over a head. Oh, the comment or... is free a header. I think that's a, I think that's a, <laughs> these an intentionally... The new ones? No, the, the open around forever. Like, yeah. The comment is free header design is an unintentionally They're hilarious. They're sort of like three-quarter... Yeah, it's it's entirely. But they've changed. They've, they've, so the, since the redesign oh, really? of the Guardian, they're oh. now much bigger. Much bigger. <laughs> they're getting and they're, closer. And there's more of them. 
<laughs> so there's not much more of a kind of a folded yeah, arm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, and no, it's like down to the waist. That's what I'm talking it's about. Like a, it's a go, it, going yeah. down to like a full half body shot is what makes it so funny. It's like a half body shot that's like three quarters facing and it's, it's with, because, usually with arms folded. Well, no so one it used ever to be, put a picture of me on the online like that. When it was just sort of shoulders up, it looked like they were peering over your garden fence yeah. <laughs> with like an unsolicited opinion. Like that was the way I always imagined it. It's just like, like I'm barbecuing then, like, and then like suddenly there's a man he's like, Hello. like Wilson well, I stopped buying eggs well actually but now it looks like they're leaning on a lamppost outside your house about to tell you something or they've just arrived at your desk <laughs> you shouldn't have put your bins out on Thursday <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, coffee um, cups not recyclable. But that's a real thing that I learned the other day. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, it, 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 unintentionally, very, very funny. Um, what we're we talking about? We well, that we we should be more about like that for for, for, for for indie games. <laughs> yeah, just show up people's <laughs> houses. What you're saying is the solution is. Just dispatch game journalists in the wild. But when when I was when I was a whippersnapper and when I joined when I started writing about games professionally in two thousand and seven, mm. um, I was working for Edge, so it's multi-platform covering everything. And there were few games that came out that I wasn't aware of and didn't know about mm. and hadn't seen. And when someone said we'd like to show you a game, it was like yes, come and show the game. Um, and that. That was a great feeling of just knowing, you just knew what was going on. You actually felt like you had yeah. encyclopedic knowledge, right? It felt, it felt like I was an expert, you know, which is what I should be, you know. <laughs> Whereas now I feel I'm flailing in the dark almost all the time. I'm well, not aware so of everything. It's isn't it? Because like, I, I think I've said this a few times before, but I mean, I specialise in indie games like artsy indie games like usually free games and also esports and so (laughs) but they're both things that if you don't pay a lot of attention to and keep that knowledge current it's so easy to get absolutely out of date or you know to to not know what's going on and to sort of but also to not know where to start so it can easily feel like there's nothing going on or that it's Mm. all weird or Mm -hmm. overwhelming or whatever else so that's kind of interesting um whereas because i don't spend a lot of time with triple a stuff you know when when chris tells me there's a splinter cell rumor i'm just like i'm sorry i don't even know which splinter cell we're on right now or whether any of them were any good like i i cannot tell you that because i looked away for too long because i was too busy pootling around in you know game jam odd you know ephemera and weirdnesses and builds and odd ideas and like you know the the net result is good because Mm. it means that there's this incredible variety and and ever-changingness to it all yeah but yeah like the i think the real uh there's so much opportunity not to be found I think it's, I I think as a journalist, what I worry about is whether I have enough that's interesting that I want to show people. And I don't think that has ever been a problem at this point Mm -hmm. because of what's out there. As a player, it can be heartbreaking when the game that you love, you know it's going to die and that it's not going to get the support or that, you know, especially if it's an online multiplayer thing and you can just feel exactly that you're waiting for the 
clock to tick down before they just announce they're going to shutter that server or something, right? Mm. So I think it's more that that sense of why does everyone keep ignoring this gem is going to massively affect the developer and any community that might be building around a game rather than mm. the other way around. And that's not to sound callous. It's more just that's the way that will shake out. Mm. Should we move on to our next question? Please. Our next question comes from Sean, who writes, Assemble Company. Uh, Many years ago, as it was fresh out of beta, I dragged myself through the quagmire of learning Dota, specifically so that I could understand the conversations you would have in the early days of the pod that sounded so interesting about this bizarre and arcane game. Despite drifting away from playing due to reasons, I still enjoy hearing you talk about it in depth about Wizards. So please indulge me this one time. What are your opinions on Dota Plus? I always felt like the battle passes were akin to a subscription fee anyway, so to me it makes sense to have a monthly system. But I'm sure this is a con- this is a controversy to be found in it somewhere. Cheers, Sean. I can tell you the controversy that I have seen pop up in internet comments and the like, mm-hmm. which is that it is essentially asking players to pay for a service that will give them a tactical edge because it taps into a huge pile of data and offers recommendations above and beyond what you can get using any other free service, right? Recommendations for what? So it... Uh, we should probably, service... we might, it might be worth backing up just to explain brass tacks what Dota Plus actually is. So it's a $4 a month subscription fee that then nets you a bunch of uh, sort of bonuses in terms of challenges associated with particular heroes to kind of like help you hone your skills in that section and sort of like learn better. And also I believe there's like particular cosmetic stuff. There's terrain which is the the map that you play on but it changes per season so it's kind of like an aesthetic thing as well um but also one of the sort of the the biggest things is that it taps into the the data from all of the games played and can then offer you advice on things like which hero to pick in the drafting phase based on what your team and their team have picked and Hmm. it can offer you build recommendations so which which is your next skill to pick in the lineup according to how the game is going and it can then you know it can recalculate that stuff on the fly if you ask it to if the game takes an unexpected turn and it can offer you you know um equipment recommendations Hmm. and so on and so on and so on so is this with the kind of intention of teaching or actually being so i have a dota plus subscription and played with it a bunch um i would say that it doesn't do any of those things as intelligently as that makes it sound but that's the way that they were sort of the the top level microsite explanation makes it sound it does yeah and and it has been a, a big controversy i think it's a controversy primarily because it's a paid service um and that always causes big rifts and divisions i have found in competitive game communities and particularly free-to-play game communities because a lot of people who play free-to-play games do so because they are free um and as soon as anything is introduced even has the slightest whiff of affecting the game it's the apocalypse um i would say that like so 
what I found, what I think is really interesting about it is like all of this stuff was already available. Um, some of it for free, some of it paid through third parties. Well, I was going to say, I wonder whether it's partly them trying to undercut um, Dota Buff, yeah. which is the, I would say, the main provider of that information until this point. And their paid subscription, I think it was like $55-ish per year. So $4 a month or the the slightly reduced rate if you go for like a year's subscription is less than that, right? So. Yeah. I think obviously Valve, so yeah, I feel like for people who don't follow Dota closely, like a lot of what this actually does is going to be super unclear. So that's one of the reasons I'm a bit wary of getting into the weeds on it. But I think it's really interesting because it, I kind of, I get people's being a nerd by it because it does feel like a big UI change. Although the game already had in-game guides. This just uses data to mean that the, the information it's giving you is more current. In the, mm. Under the old system, there was a very good chance that you could uh, subscribe to a guide through the Steam Workshop, only to find that it was for a previous patch and that the information it's giving you is really bad. Um, there was Previously, there was a, a load of uncertainty attached to trying to find information that you basically need. So if you need a guide for a character you haven't played before, you need just some information on good laning combos or counters to an enemy composition or something like that, there's a million places online where you can find that information and all of it is a very short, very easy Google search away. But it's often sometimes unreliable. Like it's not, you know what I mean? It's, it's Or it's, it, 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 you need that information at a point when you cannot tab out of the game to go do yeah, that Google yeah. search. Right? Although, although, so I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. I think the way I would think about it is, so previously, obviously Dota still has an astronomical skill ceiling and a very, 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 very steep learning curve. However, one of the reasons it's always been so steep is it's not just about how good are you at making the right strategic decisions in this kind of crazy sandbox, nor is it how good are you at technically using the right abilities and the right times on the right people, because it's also got a very high physical skill ceiling as well as a strategic skill ceiling. There's also elements of like, how good are you, how good or persistent or diligent are you about researching the game? How much do you, how much time do you spend reading and actually understanding patch notes? How much time do you spend following pro games to learn how new compositions are forming? How much time do you spend basically doing Dota homework? And to the degree that the Dota Plus stuff is cheats, it's cheats on the homework. It can tell you what to pick and what to buy. It can't tell you when, where, or how to use it or why you'd be buying it. It just, it makes the access to that information that has always been necessary um, a bit more reliable. And so, in a sense, yeah, you are paying for an advantage. But it's kind of like, uh, and this is such a tricky thing about it, so maybe that element of it should just be free because it does feel like a, a leveling thing. But my feeling of it is that, like, it might give to otherwise equal players the one that pays might have a slight edge based on the right they might have a better time picking the right items and things but there's nothing stopping the other player from picking the right items because they've accessed the information from lots of other sources um and in an even fight i i wouldn't be able to you know i don't think it would give you an actual advantage of any kind is there also a danger of it kind of standardizing the game like you know no, the, no the... it's the sandbox is too deep like mm. it, it, it literally can't happen well, I think, um, so a couple of things that came to mind while I was reading about it or while I was sort of, um, looking at what other people were responding with is, um, the, the big 
thing that came to mind was that I think it will help certainly newer players who feel absolutely overwhelmed by that stuff. You know, if they wanted to have a thing that would just say, skill your cue thing next, right? Um, and I think it, I think that uh, our friend Chris Higgins raised an interesting point on Twitter when he was saying, I think it would be really cool stuff for new people, you know, with regard to like learning new heroes and stuff like that and that information helping out with that. But given, you know, like given that the free to play thing is the thing that gets new players through the door, presumably, how are you going to sell them on a $4 subscription to something that is, you know, famously difficult or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think that's a kind of an interesting point of mismatch. And the thing that, the other thing that I was sort of thinking about was that for me, the interest is pretty much entirely in the, um, the individualized hero challenges or how, how much they would help me get to grips with a new hero or something because that's something that Dota for me has always lacked because I get stuck in ruts like I have three characters that I play an awful lot and I just will not branch out of that at this point because my skill level with those is such that if I go into a match with an unfamiliar hero with my current MMR it would just absolutely screw the Mm. team up and I would just get a torrent of abuse right Mm. because i wouldn't know how to play it at the level that the game was pitching Mm. me at um so things like that are things that i am personally more interested in um and the other thing the the last thing that i was mostly sort of interested in whether they would release any stats on especially if this um whether it's now pay to win argument continues is that I don't think for the reasons that Chris outlined that especially the fact that it doesn't tell you why you're doing things so it's not like you're necessarily learning from mm. what it's doing it's that you're mm. maybe abdicating to that system yeah and I've so seen it be I, wrong as well so I think that at a certain point it would absolutely drop off the usefulness like I can't imagine a pro finding it useful because you know it, it, it's relying on data it's that is already in the system. It's, it's not stuff that is being sort of um, meted out on the fly. You know, it's like, it's like that thing where the meta changes when you go to a pro event because people are bringing out all of these things that they've been experimenting on or, you know, that they've sort of got a slant that's a bit different or that people are sort of responding to what other people are doing. So everything's changing moment to moment. So a system that is built on information that pre-exists won't have the... Um, the knowledge in its database to mm. to help with that it won't yeah some and some because the information you get is based on on your mmr so it's not what is the entire player base doing with this character it's what a player's at your level doing no but you take my point right? yeah because uh, even if it tells you what people are doing it doesn't tell like i say it doesn't tell you why it doesn't yeah. tell you that so and so will be using smoke at this moment it doesn't tell you that so and so is probably in the secret shop or that your courier is about to get sniped or yeah there's a vast amount of like it's like the game's learning curve is so vast that like this will help and it will help democratize access well democratize for a fee i don't know if that's a kind of mis- like a kind of <laughs> you know a, a, a contradiction in terms but it will 
make access to that information a little bit more reliable because it's so easy to get bad information. But I wonder whether they will have in the tournament rules explicitly whether you're allowed to use it or not. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like I, I have one. Like so, uh, there's a bunch of other things come with it. For, so, for example, those so those hero specific challenges uh, they're not a tutorial feature at all. Like I don't think that's what they do. Um, they're more like achievements that get you points. That you can oh, use for sure. But like they are, they are tailored to particular. <laughs> yes, heroes. they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, so the um, and I think they might rotate as well. But the reason that I mentioned that is because that's what I would specifically pay for. That's mm. that's the thing that would push me over into paying for that subscription. Yeah, and it's cool to be able to like earn. So you can now earn cosmetic sets in game, which you never used to be able to do. It was always premium money thing. So. It's very much like a lot of that stuff has been broken out from the what was initially the compendium system and then the battle pass system, which is sort of tied to specific esports events. And now it's just Dota always has this thing. Are they going to have a compendium? They'll probably have one for the international. Because I, I assume that the compendium won't be going away entirely because it's such a money spinner. But this is clearly replacing battle passes. So don't know. Hmm. Um, but like I've already had situations where I want to switch off elements of the plus service. And that's, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. Like, I can, I can get why there's this instant reaction to anything in, like this being introduced. But it's actually quite intrusive and, like, a little bit kind of inaccurate in annoying ways. And it, it requires a lot of game knowledge to understand the information it's giving you. Hmm. So I don't, uh, in a lot of cases, like, so obviously, so one really super basic thing is, like, when you level up now, it will say, like, 75% percent of people in this situation put their skill point here and that's actually quite helpful um if you are learning a character for the first time because if you really like you know how dota works the likely skill build will probably be obvious but if you don't then the most common question is what do i max out first Mm. like 90 percent of the time and it's like family fortunes yeah and this, this just answers that it just takes away that one thing you always ask right it just done right solved um but then it always gives these, like, it tries to give these, like, suggested item builds based on the state of the game, and it's never quite right to me. I don't know. So someone, um, I think it Maybe might have fair, been but, the know. guy who wrote the new story for PC Gamer, I think it might have been Andy uh, Chalk, but um, made the analogy of, like, um, recalculating stuff like um, like a, a sat-nav or something mm-hmm. yeah. on a fly. And that, you know, I think that with the inaccuracy as well, that sort of makes sense. Because, you know, like, when, when the sat-navs, like, turn left here and you just sort of look at a lake and go, I... Yeah, I'm exactly. gonna I'm gonna use my human brain and not do that right now, thanks. Like, <laughs> it's like recalculating roots. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if anything, I would say that its offerings might be a little bit thin at the moment. Like um, the the data analytics stuff is nice, but Dota already had really really good post match data, and in fact, the, the pages that it adds to the post match stats. I mean, this is the most fascinating sort of it to man, obviously. Um, if you have a plus subscription are like in some ways the least useful. Mm-hmm. So like what it will do is if you have a plus subscription, it will add, so it'll give you bars for your performance and then it will give you a bar for the average performance of a player at your current rank. So you can see whether you're um, over or underachieving relative to your rank in a given game in lots of different metrics. And that information is basically useless. There's <laughs> you just feel really bad about yourself. Well, yeah, you're like, yeah. you know, like... Welcome I, to Dota. <laughs> yeah. I, went up a, I went up a rank. Um, it's the first time I've ranked up since the new um, 
the new new uh, MMR sorry ranking system came in. I'm waiting out the full decay. <laughs> it's <laughs> like you're on zero. And yes. um, and I was underperforming for my previous rank in every single metric except one, which was kill assists, where I was so far ahead it ranked me up. So there's like it was like this doesn't make any sense. Just blowing off the lid to so show that the whole thing is mental. Well, yes, like, basically. It went through a phase of, I don't know if this still exists, I'm assuming so, but like, it would show you your little pentagon of yep. whatever. So it would like, and the different um, points of the pentagon would be on this five, um, on this five pointed circle. Like, and so it would tell you how good you were at support, how good you were at initiating. And, you know, mine was essentially a triangle at some point because it was like I was absolutely terrible at all of the things that like three of the roles did. And then I was like great at, you know, warding. <laughs> but yeah, so it was just kind of like, uh, it yes. still does that. I, I've managed to break my eerily even pentagon i used to have a kind of completely average in every single category to the most median man (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i I think uh, i have a friend who's a little bit um earlier in his dojo journey than than i am and a lot of people i play with in that he hasn't kind of sunk five years into it and kind of ended up with all these kind of like old bad habits that you have to shake every time it's something gets patched and um i think it's been really useful for him i think i think it's usefulness will kind of and it's in, and therefore its impact on the win rates of the people who put money down for it will vary based on skill level. You uh, know that I still have that laptop that has the Grieveling on it. I'm not moving on. I refuse. It's that laptop, isn't it? No, 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 no. Oh, it's it's Mac, my terrible it? Mac with the partition, the bootcamp partition. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sorry. I, I, I guess the question was simply, what do you think about Dota Plus? And I actually, I think it's pretty cool. Like, uh, it's cheap What's the enough. Noise. Noise. Yeah. <laughs> like I was playing a lot of Dota anyway. I'm always playing a lot of Dota. It's uh, you know it's well produced and slick, and some of the information's cool, and some of the analytics are cool, and some of the hats are nice. That's all I really want. Yeah, I think the last time I played it was because I was absolutely determined that it would definitely be worth the amount of money that I paid to get that underwater skin for the map. That was possibly the most expensive. <laughs> fancy digital dress that I've ever well it's because I couldn't then be bothered to level up my compendium so it was the cost of a compendium and then the cost of the levels needed to get to the underwater terrain so that was a bit of a mic drop on myself involving money (laughs) I guess that's um hit yourself on the face of the microphone I know Animal Crossing Pocket Camp has now introduced an underwater terrain and I'm kind of sat there going not sure I trust myself, to be honest. <laughs> Off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Upsetting. Luckily, I spent all my leaf tickets on a telescope. <laughs> it's actually a good segue here to our next question, or our final question. Is which it about for... Animal Crossing? No. I have so many opinions. It's about uh, <laughs> things you don't need. It's from Jeff. <laughs> I say this for myself as well. Um, I'm looking straight at you (laughs) it's from Jeff who writes dear update and loading bar it's easy to find cartridges and figures for console games but PC gaming hasn't had much in terms of physical media uh, since the mid 2000s does the crew have any affinity for collecting physical items relating to PC games that's from Jeff from Halifax I hate it unless I go all out (laughs) I I say this because I'm looking at an actual like clothes peg line of photos from my firewatch 
exploits. Mm. So, but I made them myself. They weren't from the Game Zone camera thing. I printed those myself. And above your right shoulder is a plastic tide hunter from Dota 2. That was your fault. Yeah. That's not my fault. I just I bought him. Like, I did he's not nice. ask for this. He was a present. I know. It's <laughs> nice. Hmm. For the boxes, though, you'd need, you'd need a massive house because that's what... PC gaming boxes used to be massive, massive houses, massive, massive house to keep well, your disc in. I think there's, there's an Overwatch. Oh yeah, colossal. So working in like this business, there's a lot of like I don't know why we own. Like we've... I try not to give out my work address to people if they want to send digital because like mm. you can just send a digital code. Everything else is going to be a storage problem, and yeah. usually is going to be flammable. I've I've learned like there are moments I I still I get sometimes possessed of the mania that says maybe I do want this piece of thing like I have the Dishonored two limited edition Corvo Atano mask yeah but what yeah Yeah, that lives in the cupboard upstairs because Pip's afraid of masks Um, (laughs) so it's useless it's actually useless it It has to live in the cupboard which the cupboard door is kept shut in case the mask tries to get out in the night by um, a a fold out bed yeah and the um, (laughs) that's the cupboard I have to get into to get the um, the sound dampening (laughs) so I hope you appreciate the sacrifice well it's got a little roommate in there now as well because it lives with the mask from Torment Tides of Numenera um, those are my two masks. Is that the skull? Uh, no, it's like a kind of half opera mask kind of thing. Okay. Or face mask, like porcelain. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be mask. cool with that. Not no, into you this. Wouldn't. Dolls, masks, um, not happening. I've got a lot of tat. Like I've, I've I've kept the tat right down. Although I I helped my son buy. He's been obsessed playing um, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and he's decided to. Sp- Spunk all his his fucking uh, money on um, <laughs> on a, 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 a an amiibo of Link, which is <laughs> an unfortunate turn of phrase. <laughs> He's also got Chris as, as a mouthful. <laughs> Of beer, <laughs> <laughs> things are looking pretty dicey right now. <laughs> oh, we're, we're all good, folks. <laughs> full recovery. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying an amoeba. An amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, for some reason I just heard an amoeba in my head <laughs> in the words of my libido from Chocolate <laughs> 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 My libido, an amiibo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think a, I think that's a Tumblr channel, ain't that? That's so good. <laughs> but I, I, I was trying to put him off buying the tat. I was thinking, just don't. What, what are you doing? Don't, uh, don't get a tat. I don't invest in tat. Like there are a few T-shirts that I have that mark specific events that I was at. Um, and there are things like, yeah, my Firewatch pictures and stuff, but that was because that was part of like an actual project that I wanted to, you know, try and capture video game stuff in a more photographic way. And I was really pleased with how they came out. So it was more, Hmm. 
you know, more of a thing that extended. That it, it wasn't just because it was a game thing. It was a project thing. Meaning, mm. because I'm sort of content to let games just exist in and of themselves mm. on my hard drive and stuff. So, yeah, I can't think of anything. I think else most of the time you have, I have bought you. Yes, mm. <laughs> I like. Things. I had to actually tell you that no more cuddly toys would be accepted. <laughs> I, yeah, that was like a kind of perennial. Like I'm at an esports event, and I feel a bit guilty for being away. <laughs> Here's just... a little red panda courier. That's quite cute. It is, but there's only so much. It's like, one in, one out I... now. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's like a club at one a.m. But, <laughs> you know. but you wouldn't be okay with that because you right, sufficiently no, attached personality had... to all those objects now. Yes. But I had to, like, that's why you're not allowed to bring them home, because if I see them, <laughs> then they're now alive, and I can't reject them. <laughs> so, like, that's the that's the real problem. Because, like, when I was still living in London, and not with you, I had to explain to you the, the rotor system for which Cuddly Toy got to sleep in the bed, <laughs> so that none of them felt like they were being unfairly, you know maligned or like left out this is what's good about it is your, your desire to live a kind of minimalist life free of things <laughs> is actually fundamentally based on the desire to not be not be cruel not to be yeah. attached yeah. yeah it's like there's only so many spaces in the bed <laughs> what no not like that <laughs> when does Chris get forced out <laughs> Well, well, this is the thing. It's one in, one out. Ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, he'll just he'll just be making his own life miserable because he'll just be cold and on the sofa and on the floor. So you know. But at least I feel slightly less guilty about going to this esports event. Yeah, well, you know that, that life is behind me now. <laughs> just as well. I just fill my own room with Warhammer. So that's the thing. It's like it's not that it's you've you've got better. It's that you found a different thing to collect. Yeah, no, I'm a You're I'm a hoarder. I am. Mm. Yeah, I like things like physical objects. Looking at them, picking them up, turning them around, going hmm, and they're then all, putting them down again. They're all dust. Ultimately, we'll oh. all die. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm still struggling what's, to what's the line? That, that's a perfect line to go out on. It is. We all die. If you would like. To. Yes, indeed. If you'd like to uh, have your question prompt a sort of reckoning with mortality, with mortality, then... as everything should. <laughs> I've never been more my mother's daughter yeah, I than I am. We've right reached now. the final grudge. Mm. <laughs> a grudge it was her greatest gift <laughs> no I mean not with your mother with mortality oh I don't know you seem to be quite pally with mortality oh yeah <laughs> me, and, me and the reaper we go way back <laughs> we were reckoning with that fool for years <laughs> have you oh, you, okay. just, you just sort of like off like low key claim to have been f- fighting death <laughs> <laughs> yes <she's> been- <laughs> A one-on-one. Well, that's just how it goes, isn't it? Because, like, otherwise, you go to sleep, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you sat there playing pontoon with the depth. <laughs> you know, you just you have to ever vigilant, Chris. Ever vigilant. <laughs> otherwise, you're wandering. I feel like we're getting. I mean, you know, we've been rumbling off off topic since minute minus one of this mm. episode. Mm. Since I preempted your introduction, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah. what number we were on. But um. I feel like there's an interesting combined issue here with both objects having a tremendous interiority that can be uh, betrayed, 
uh, or, or hurt and a object having no permanence whatsoever they will all abandon or betray me oh, I see mm. <laughs> I like that the no really, more cuddly pandas she's, they will all leave she's guided by not wanting to be betrayed by a stuffed toy <laughs> Because it will be dust in the end, Alex. It will either leave or it will turn to ash in my mouth. <laughs> Don't eat it, for heaven's sake. And stop burning them. They're highly flammable. <laughs> what more can yeah. I tell you? Chris's, Chris's knockoffs, knockoff toys. <laughs> Pip hates Mondays. And entropy. <laughs> Lasagna's great. <laughs> Lasagna doesn't turn to ash. You have to mouth. eat it quickly, otherwise it will. <laughs> really? Really? How slowly would you eat a lasagna that it would turn to ash in your mouth? <laughs> you know, to dust I... we shall return. But you were talking about ash, not dust. No, that's true. Or is it dust, not ash? Well, dust is fire ash. I mean, yeah, it's ash from fires. This is the end of the podcast. <laughs> Are you sure? It might be. In a, in it might possibly, everybody listening is now dust. Possibly in total. <laughs> Two thirty, nice brown number. <laughs> I do draw I, a line under it. I do hope that people are feeling that they might die. I mean, they will. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to make them all feel better now. Their qualifications make all the difference. I mean, presumably we'll be back to do another episode next week. But, you know. You never know. What is, oh, this is what it was like growing up with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were gonna. I, was, I, I did a little gesture, like, "Do you want to do the outro, Pip?" Oh, you know? sorry, no. I thought you were like, yeah, "Just go on." <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really want to. I thought I'd, I'd done enough damage. <laughs> I think this might be unlistenable. <laughs> Fund us on Patreon, though, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Great if, if like and subscribe oh, YouTube youtube.com crowbar <laughs> Twitter at twitter.com crowbar <laughs> I've got that one at crate and crowbar if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of the crate and crowbar you can do so by emailing us questions at crate and crowbar.com you can find our discord channel on discord there's a link on our website crate and crowbar.com there's lots of lovely people there each doomed. <laughs> well, that's just life, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to follow us as individuals, if we're still alive by the time that covers. <laughs> well, if nobody deletes my account, that'll outlast me. That's true. If you'd like to pre book your seats for a digital ghost. <laughs> <laughs> You can do so <laughs> by following us on lamented internet service Twitter. <laughs> I might set a tweet deck scheduled tweet for in a hundred years' time. <laughs> you know what? I might, and it'll just say, Pip. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> 
that's what yours was going to say, wasn't it? No, I think I was just... I think I might have gone with there's never been a better time to invest in Pipcoin. <laughs> 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 just in case that's come back around and I'm yeah. still alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is your Twitter handle? Ah, ah I'm glad you asked. <laughs> It's at Philippa War, uh, which is P-H-I-L-I-P-P-A-W-A-R-R. Alex, where can people find you? Uh, rotational. Excellent. R-O... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you to spell it, Alex. Alex, what's you your web detective? <laughs> R-O... Pato... Bratotopatopal. R-O-patopatopal. Rotational. Going round in a circle. Ational. <laughs> And I'm on Twitter at C Thurston. That's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes.